I just remember passing the finish line and going into the water crew in the fire department made, which is so cooling, but also a lot of pressure. And then getting all the kids together to take a picture. I, had, I kneeled down for it and I got up and I was like, oh, I am about to pass out. And I honestly thought I was going to, but I didn't. But I was like, definitely not walking straight. And people were just coming up to take pictures. And I was like, of course I'll smile. But at the same time, like, just be cautious. You're listening to the Sasquatch Trail Runners Podcast, where every run is a trail party. I'm your host, Kim Levinsky, and today we're sitting down with Ultra Runner and Mission Clean Water founder, James Leitner, to hear his recap of the 900-mile running challenge that he completed in July of 2020. So sit back and relax, or grab some pierogies and hit the trails, and enjoy the show. All right, everybody, we are here with James Leitner, local ultra runner from Scotch Plains, New Jersey. Last month, Sasquatch Trail Running sponsored him in his incredible running challenge that he completed at Tamaquas Park in Westfield, New Jersey, where he ran 900 miles. 900, 900. He ran 30 miles a day for 30 days. And his original goal was to raise $30,000, but he cleared $36,000 for his nonprofit organization, Mission Clean Water, which provides clean drinking water sources for people around the world. So we told you when we spoke with him a few weeks ago on our Run Venture Zoom series that we would sit down and chat with him again. So we are now two weeks post uh, running challenge that he had in July the date is August 10th, and we are here with James Leitner. James, thank you for joining us on the Sasquatch Trail Runners podcast. Of course. Thank you for having me, and uh, thank you for organizing this follow-up. There's definitely a lot to say, and uh, that was a perfect intro. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Now, we're going to ask you all the questions about reflection and how you're feeling post-run, but for those of the runners who are listening right now who might not be familiar with you, Mission Clean Water or your challenge. Can you just give a little bit of background of who you are? What is Mission Clean Water? And what was that crazy challenge that you did? No, of course. Uh, so just like Kim said, my name is James Leitner. I'm born and raised in Scotch Plains, New Jersey. And I've always been a very big advocate for clean water, uh, which is always focused around the idea that close to a billion people in the world don't have access to clean water. And so I created the organization Mission Clean Water to help fundraise and develop clean water and sanitation projects for underserved communities. And when you kind of look at the challenges water provides and the fact that people have to constantly walk and collect water, I just realized that if I want to fundraise in this type and fix this type of issue, the best way is long distance. And so I ended up becoming a long distance runner, which eventually grew into just having an obsession to go farther and farther and harder and harder. And that kind of brought us to where we are with uh, the last month in July. Um, so many months before July, just came a string of training and preparing for the hopeful and inevitable uh, fundraiser of running 30 miles a day for 30 days to fully fund our next clean water project in Uganda. And similar to what Kim shared, we were very happy and fortunate to clear that goal uh, so it's been a very fun journey, and we're about, yeah, two weeks out from the last day running. Yeah, it must seem like it's a different type of life you're living right now compared to July. Talk to us about that. How has it been since you finished the run? You've had a lot of time to think about it. Was it 
I know when we ran together several times in July, yeah. we would talk about what's it going to be like after you finish your challenge. So what has that been compared to the expectations that you had? I mean, so I've done other kind of similar multi-day events and, you know, month or two month plus runs or attempts in the past. And I fully understand that when just like for a month or for a very long time, you're kind of living and experiencing, I guess, this transient lifestyle. You feel like you're really no longer part of normal uh, life or the normal function of society because your goal is, at least for myself in July, was to run six, seven hours a day to then go home, shower, and spend five or six hours recuperating and recovering. So you feel this kind of tangent away from the ability to properly function and be normal. And it's a very unique experience. And every single day while running, I'm just experiencing all these emotional highs and lows and endorphins and all these great feelings. And then I finish and then I wake up the next day and I'm like, all right, well, now what do I do? <laughs> What did you do the first day after you finished the challenge? What did I do? Um, it was very hard. I remember waking up at like 9 a.m. No, I remember waking up at like the normal time, like 4, 4.30, like I have been, and like early in the morning and just being like, I have no idea what to do now. And I was wonderfully able to go back to sleep until like 8 o'clock. And I just kind of felt like in this weird mental or physical space that I was like, I don't know like what to do or how to act. Yeah. But you know, my really, my only goal was to, you know, have the, I had kind of planned out a little bit of a reward dinner that I wanted. And then my, <laughs> my, my overall goal really that day was just to kind of sit in the AC and not really do much just to kind of enjoy my own little personal space and to kind of be relaxed and uh, I guess lethargic for a bit but I more or less the entire day afterwards kind of just maintained my general stretching and recovery routine that I was doing during the actual run itself and just kind of spending some easy time visiting you know areas throughout Scotch Plains and Westfield of New Jersey uh, just visiting some of the key people that made this July experience so eventful. Yeah. I'm sure everybody wants to know, when was the first time you went for a run after you finished the challenge? How long did it take before you got back out there? Yeah. Oh my God. Um, I, I've been forcing myself to not run and it has been extremely difficult because I'm definitely like itching to get back out there and like my friends and you know, I was, I've been with you for these two weeks as well, just being around all these wonderful energetic people. I'm like, oh, I just want to go with you, but I can't. <laughs> Uh, and honestly, I feel like if I did try and run with someone, they'd be like, no, you, you can't come with us. Like, you gotta, yeah, you gotta yeah, sit, you gotta yeah. stop. Um, which is very, very nice of them. But there was like one day after, I think it was like maybe like five or six days after the completion of the event where like it was a nice day outside. So I just went for a walk after working for a while. And I just got like, I literally got an adrenaline rush and this like uh, natural high listening to music, walking down the sidewalks. I was wearing my running shoes and I was like, dude, I could just go right now. I could just, I could just go for it. And I was like, no, you can't though. He's not doing it. <laughs> so it's been very tempting. And then I would honestly say yesterday, uh, Sunday was my last, I was my, probably my first time really running, but in very small 
birds uh, because I was involved in a race. And so I was a part of, I was doing a lot of the setup and a lot of the cleanup. And so when I was like traveling to clean up some of the areas that we were using uh, in the trail system, I would just kind of hit like a nice little jog to those different points and clean up and everything. So I think I did a little, a little over a mile, but nothing crazy. Uh, I'm considering this upcoming Thursday, the first day that I'm allowed to, uh, to run again. Okay, and I think your initial plan was like a month off. Is that still what you're thinking about? Uh, kind of. Uh, I've kind of like, like my way of giving back to the people that supported me was to support them as like a general pacer for whatever kind of events or runs that they have coming up. Which I already have done a few, which has been very wonderful. But then there's a few things coming up that kind of uh, conflict with the taking a month off. So I, I think my overall goal is to take a full, like solid two weeks off and to kind of consider myself back at square one where I'm not just gonna immediately hop into doing, you know, very far and long distances, get a mile in, get another mile in and slowly kind of pick myself up from there just to see how things are working because I'm not sore, but things are still a little funky. <laughs> awesome. So I've got a question I love asking runners when they've finished a race or some kind of big running event, run venture. Sure. Could you nail down a high and a low from the 30 days? If, like if there was one experience that was kind of like the climax and it's not cliche to say if it was the last day, if there was an experience over the 30 days that was a, a low valley, could you, could you say a high and a low? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, like every, every day kind of had its different experiences that you had to to have and to, to learn. So I think a good example of, you know, of like a specific low and a specific high would be, um, you know, I invited many runners to come join me during this. And we didn't, I didn't organize, like I didn't say like, all right, this group can come from eight to 10 and have a very specific schedule. Just, yeah, come when you want, come for as long as you want, come, come run the whole day, come run for an hour, whatever fits with your schedule before work, after work. I'll, I'll, I'll probably be there. Uh, and there's just many times where on like the weekends and just like random times on a weekday where I would have like four or five runners out with me and just being able to kind of have that, you know, support and that network push me forward and just have people to talk to and, and, and uh, experience this event with me made it all uh, very, you know, special to me. And those are always kind of moments I very much look forward to. And there were even some times where like towards the end, we had upwards of 20 runners just in this giant long snake of a line, uh, you know, two people next to each other spaced out apart very accordingly, just running together. I was like, this is a crazy thing to experience and see. And I would look behind me and notice, you know, we had people from like the SAS squad there. We had people from the uh, different triathlon clubs around here, people from the Berkeley Heights Running Club together people from uh, like the Spartan community and the obstacle course racing community together. And just seeing how all these people come together for this one event just felt amazing to me and so uh, absolutely special. Uh, some of the, so that, those are probably the highs, you know, every day something like that would always happen. That made it very, very wonderful. Uh, and then 
there was always like one, there, this happened twice. There were two other highs where at the very end when I finished, the ice cream man came. So I got a Pepsi and a uh, chip, which are just perfect. I was, I was uh, there for that day. That was Yeah, yeah, you were. Oh, I was always so happy. I should have wrote down his number because he had inside the ice cream truck. He'd be like, always come here every day at 11. <laughs> Seriously, right? Because yeah. uh, you, you'll make at least $4. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, so the lows... I feel like I've experienced and done a lot of these different kind of events where like, you know, you, you always, every day I experienced a wall that you kind of had to get over and some were definitely darker than others. Um, but you know, there's just these moments of physical and mental exhaustion during something like this that kind of just really puts you over the edge and makes you kind of not think really clearly. And there's a few specific days where that kind of happened where uh, we experienced a lot of heat waves during the month of July. There are a few days where I think it reached up to 98 degrees, but that was just like the temperature. But now you have to throw on like 80% humidity into that day with regular sun exposure really adds up very quickly. And there were, there was two days in particular where it was already in the forecast to be extremely hot. But then also the low of the day, like when I started at 4 a.m. was already like 88 degrees. And so there are many moments where, you know, I would just be running and doing my normal routine, but it would get to a point where I'm just like, I can't cool myself down and I'm getting very nervous because of it. Uh, even like with ice and things, just nothing could kind of, nothing was really there to make me feel normal. Uh, and it was just kind of this thought that I had to, had to push through. And at many, at many of those moments, you know, just the general thoughts of like, what am I doing? This seems like ridiculous will kind of come to you, but you know, you just realize to kind of push forward, get through next each moment. Uh, and then eventually I would pop into my car in the AC when I was done, everything would feel fine afterwards. You can cool down and kind of relax for a bit. So those were some challenging moments, but then also um, there was a few times after I was done running where I finished, I went home, I would step into my recovery plan and it'd be like 5 p.m. and I would be so tired and so mentally exhausted that I'm trying to include, like do social media updates and I'm just not writing like clear sentences and clear observations and I feel really bad about it because I was just so exhausted that I couldn't even like talk to my friends or my family. I just didn't have the energy to get different things out at certain times because I just felt so more or less beat up by the end of the day. Uh, but, but you know, that's all, that's all improved. Right. Was there ever a moment that you felt, you know, you questioned, could I finish this or the whole time you had like unwavering confidence that you were going to get it done? Yeah, no, no, nothing really pulled me away from the moment because uh, I kind of knew to an extent what I was going to get myself into and I knew and assumed all of the unplanned risks that were going to be associated with this because there's so many, I guess, experiences with soreness and overuse and so even with all of the planning that myself and my team kind of put into it, uh, you know, things are going to happen that, you know, created more or less mystery. The only time I was really concerned was when I had a, I guess, a flare-up experience with my right ankle. 
which was more or less diagnosed as Achilles tendinitis, which I've never had in the past, which kind of was bad because since I've never had it before, I didn't know what to do to manage and take care of it. And so I was like, this is like, I would start my day and it'd be unbearably painful, but I just kind of have to keep on going. And I was like, what am I going to do to finish this? Because I thought to myself, like, it's going to be like this forever now. I was like, I'm just never going to go away. Uh, so I was just like on an uneasy moment of like, how can I, you know, am I going to be able to push through this pain the entire time? I knew I was going to, regardless of how much it hurt. I was like telling myself, I was like, all right, well, if it's too painful, I'll just grab like hiking poles and like, you know, just like shuffle my way through this and it'll be fine. That's kind of where my mental space was, but wonderfully enough, I reached out to, you know, my community, your community, uh, the different uh, running stores around here, and people kind of gave me a good strategy to, man to manage and handle that pain, and it was completely gone after, like, I think three days afterwards, so that's when, and after that moment, I had no more issues, and I was just, like, out there having fun. Awesome. <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about the final day. Paint the picture of what that looked like Maybe describe it to people who weren't there um, from start to finish. You know, there was a lot of planning that went into it. And then <laughs> talk to us about, you know, what you were feeling during the low. I mean, because you still had to cover 30 miles that day. So there was still a lot of work to be done. Um, still, and yeah. Then we can chat a little bit about crossing the finish line on uh, sure. the 900th mile. Yeah, definitely. Well, so going into the... Um, Going into the last day, I would say a few days beforehand, really the only plan put in place was the fact that I wanted to run the last mile with these specific 30 kids that are, uh, I think, all from the same neighborhood in Cranford, New Jersey. That why these kids? So these kids and their parents heard about my story of what I was doing at Tamaquas Park, these 30 miles a day for 30 days, and the parents and the kids got so involved and just loved the story so much that 30 of these kids from the same neighbor neighborhood all ran one mile a day in support. So when I was running, so were they. So it was just this awesome feeling to see them all kind of part of the entire adventure. And myself and the parents created the plan that, you know, my last mile and their last mile, we would all do together. So it was just so excited to like, I was so excited to plan with the kids to be there. They were going to come at, I think at like 10, no, they, they came at 1140 was like the time we we're going to do the last mile. And so I was just like so excited and looking forward to like seeing them and having them be there. Uh, and I was just like so happy to be able to have them join me. And then as like we got closer to the last day, um, you know, you were there with Sasquad, a few of our, our sponsors were there. The Scottish Plains Fire Department reached out to me. I was like, we want to make a giant water curtain for you. As like the finish line. I was like, that sounds awesome. But then it was also funny because they called me. They're like, hey, James, like, you're a water organization. Is that like okay to have? And I was like, oh, yeah, it's fine. You know, you got to spend water to make water, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so that was, that was a fun conversation. And just like, I, I didn't know what was going to happen. So we had the last mile planned at 1140. So I really didn't know what was going to happen at all before then. And so I more or less had the plan for the last day to wake up extremely early. I got to the park at 4 a.m. And for like the first time, I just walked the Tamaquas Loop. So for anyone that didn't know, I, had a, I was at Tamaquas Park. That was The one loop is 0.8 miles. It's a gravel pack road. 
right? So I had to do a loop for 37.5 miles uh, every single day. And so I just got there with the intention of being there for one hour in the very beginning, just enjoying myself and taking my time. Just kind of take it slow for a bit, enjoy the sunset and have a nice like slow time until, until people start coming. And then from like 5 a.m. and on, just like more and more people came to run with me. And from like then on until like 1140, people were with me nonstop. And it felt like I was like my own little like subway train because I would like get to where the loop started and be with like four people. We'd do a whole loop. Then there'd be like two more people waiting. They would jump along and go with us and just like, we had like 20 plus people running together. It was this awesome experience and feeling. And I, I honestly, I definitely probably ran more than 30 miles that day, but just didn't notice because so many people were coming and joining me and just enjoying uh, the moment together. Uh, it all kind of began, I began to start feeling this, this realization that I'm almost done when you first came because uh, you brought a countdown clock with me or with you. And that was like the very first time that I ever thought of or saw a countdown happen. And you made the countdown for like for when the last mile started, correct? I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember seeing like, oh wow, I really only have like an hour and a half left to this. And I do a loop and now it's an hour ten. One more loop and now it's 40 minutes. And I was like, this is getting close. This is getting exciting. Uh, and I remember stopping for a little bit to like rehydrate and drink some stuff because so many people started coming to like see the last mile that I was like experiencing a, like a very high adrenaline rush. So I like forced myself to stop because I knew like I had to hydrate or I might like pass out because I just wasn't realizing it. And then for the last mile, I grabbed all the kids with me. Uh, There's about 30 of them. There are a few photographers there. So it's just this cool little moment. I was called the Pied Piper for a while. And we all went to like the specific spot on the loop. Uh, we all left and did the loop together. And for all the people that ran with me throughout the entire month, they joined me as well. And then we all uh, ran through the finish line together. And it just kind of created this nice special moment. <laughs> I remember when you took the kids to go back because you had to backtrack a little bit so that you would, yeah. you would hit the mile on the dot. Um, and I was standing there with a couple of other Sasquad women. And as you were getting ready to go with the kids, we could hear, you know, we could see you across the field. You were getting ready to run towards us. <laughs> and I remember turning toward, I think it was Jana and a couple other ladies. And we, we all had like tears in our eyes and we're like, are you emotional? And, and <laughs> Yeah, are you emotional? I said, yeah, this is an emotional experience right now. You know, so it was it was very it was really cool to be a part of. We were there at the finish line. We we pulled across the you know the little tape so that yes. we finished. But it was actually it was pretty funny. We were trying to <laughs> paint the picture for you guys listening. You know, James is running with all these kids, and you know they're excited as well to run the last mile. But we wanted James to be the one to break the, the finish line <laughs> tape because you know he, he ran the nine hundred miles. So Jana had one end, I had the other, and we're holding it up in the air. And then we're like, all right, we got to time this so that when James crosses, we'll drop it so the kids don't hit it. And what did you know? One of these little boogers jumps up, he <laughs> up and pulls down the tape. So, so funny. Sorry you didn't get to officially break the tape. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually it's like I tried so hard to tell the kids, like, all right, we all got to stay in a group. Like, we're all going to run together. I know you want to go fast, but we're going to be one big team finishing together. And from, like, the minute we began, they're like, no, we're going. And we got – we did 
0.8 miles all the way around the loop back where we started. I made everyone stop there. I was like, all right, you guys, listen, we're doing this together. And they're like, okay. And then I was like, all right, let's go. And no, they just sprinted right through. And I was like, it's kind of what I expected. Uh, and then, yeah, I saw you guys bring out the tape. So I kind of like slowed down to try and get into like a gap of where uh, in between like a few groups of some of the kids. But no, I saw that kid just jump up and grab it. And I was like, uh, like, if you're running with kids, like it's almost expected. So it was a very great moment to like share and be there with them. And, you know, at least for me, like finishing, I didn't really have too much of a very emotional moment. I just felt very, you know, relieved, very enlightened and very calm. But I also like really didn't know what I was expressing because I just was flowing on so much adrenaline. Uh, yeah. So I was just kind of like a little, I guess, lost, I guess you can say. My like real, like, I really broke down during this. My very emotional moment was when I first saw um, the fundraising goal uh, reach or break $30,000. Cause like I've held many fundraisers and honestly, at least for me, fundraising is extremely difficult and recruitment is very difficult. And you're always thinking to yourself, like, am I gonna hit this goal? Am I doing enough to hit this goal? And so just having that, that moment of actually kind of really hitting that mark just you know creates this sense of peace and calmness. And I had to like go outside to like collect myself. And that was very, very uh, relaxing and wonderful to see but you know I just remember passing the finish line going into the water curtain the fire department made which is so cooling but also a lot of pressure and then getting all the kids together to take a picture I, had, I kneeled down for it and I got up and I was like oh I am about to pass out and I honestly <laughs> thought I was going to but I didn't but I was like definitely not walking straight and people were just coming up to take pictures and I was like of course I'll smile, but at the same time, like, just be cautious. <laughs> I, I, I do remember that. Um, and I remember turning to Jana, we said, oh, he doesn't look too good right now. <laughs> oh, could you tell? That's so funny. <laughs> but it was, it was very sweet because the kids, you could tell just how much they admired you and they wanted, you know, they wanted their parents to take a picture of, of you guys together. So that was really sweet. Oh, you know, I was, I, I really didn't see any other way of finishing this, you know, even if no one else had an interest of coming, uh, and just those kids wanted to, it still would have been like the ideal situation for me. Uh, Cause I, I personally gained a lot of inspiration uh, and camaraderie and morale knowing that, you know, these kids are running a mile with me every day. And to put it into perspective, you know, these kids were, it's like second to fifth grade. Um, and like, if you asked me when I was that old to go run a mile, it would be no way at all. And to see them just kind of interested about learning about these different topics, uh, that I had no interest at all or really didn't know was an issue at all until high school is just kind of a very uh, uh, enlightened feeling and I was very happy to you know meet parents you know motivating these kids to become you know more or less future world leaders I guess you could say. Definitely. So before we talk about what's next fill us in on what was the final number that you hit for fundraising and what is happening over in Uganda right now with the funds, uh, the funds that were raised and also what, what exactly is the project? What's it going to look like when it's finished? Sure. No, of course. Um, ooh, so it's actually been very exciting because I've been in kind of communication for like my main objective right now with as many things going on is to like really see this project in full development uh, and, you know, begin it's like moment of prosperity, I guess you can say. And so 
the official ending number, um, I think I, I, I would have to check, but I remember like four or five days after the fundraiser, when like, I guess kind of donations genuinely stopped and we could tell donations were no longer coming in specifically for the campaign. I think the official number was, or is $36,125, which is uh, absolutely in incredible to see, to see that we, you know, smash this goal by such a significant amount. Uh, and not only to see, you know, different companies and different individuals and different, different, uh, I guess, communities become involved in this fundraiser, but, you know, people from all around the country were donating, people that, you know, came to run and join, donated and kind of gave their time and expertise. So it was just an amazing uh, experience to see. And so what this, what all these donations are funding uh, is for a clean water project and a hygiene project, specifically for an all-girls school that is in Uganda, where our organization is primarily working. To put it into perspective, uh, this school has about 1,000 students. Uh, currently, they're not in session because they're kind of out. They're like in their like summer break, I guess you can call it as well. And so uh, these 1,000 students do not have an improved water source on site. So what they have to do is they more or less in school uniform have to walk off school grounds to go somewhere and try and find water. There are spots close by, but you know, even if you're walking a half a mile and then having to carry five gallons of water back, which is very cumbersome, adds up to a lot of time. And these students typically are missing two to three class periods a day solely based on the fact that they have to walk and collect water. So if an improved water source or a clean water source can be provided on site, not only will they have better water to drink and improve their overall hygiene and health, uh, they'll also have the chance and opportunity to, um, you know, spend more time in classes as well. Also for this school, of the many students there, there really aren't enough restroom facilities or, you know, I guess you can say, because you can kind of say, you know, community manager up to code sanitation facilities. We also have the plan to kind of develop a better approach for sanitation hygiene for the school to create a safe and educational uh, facility on hygiene for all the girls that are there. And so during the last week of the fundraiser, so the last week of July, was actually the very first moment that we began to use everyone's donations and begin to put them into action. So like for example, if you donated before the fundraiser began, so I guess before July or the first week of July, uh, we were using your donations about two weeks after that, mainly because on site, they have a very old water well that is no longer being used, um, but has enough water quantity or enough water itself to provide the demand for these students. What we ended up doing was uh, assessing the health of the well. So we more or less cleaned it out fully we made sure the piping structures are still good and sound and not are at risk of breaking or anything, as well as we sampled the water to see if there are any um, impurities or chemicals or uh, bacteria in the water uh, to see if this could be a, a plausible drinking source. And overall, what we found was that uh, the water quantity is significantly more than we originally thought. So, you know, even if they had, you know, for, for the 1,000 students and the many faculty, there's more than enough water for them to drink, to wash, and do everything with. Uh, and so that process is complete. What's happening now, or what's happening, you know, actually today, 
is they are installing a pump into that water well. So the water can be pumped to like a big storage tank. And then from there, we'll more or less create water spigots throughout the entire school, uh, kind of acting like water fountains at you know an elementary or middle school, I guess you can say. Uh, so uh, that all will be completed by the end of this week. And then overall distribution will be done the following week. So an improved clean water source will be done before the uh, end of August and all ready to be used and, fun used and functioning uh, in time for the girls to come back from uh, more or less their summer vacation. That is incredible, James. That is awesome. When yes. do you hope to get over there? I know obviously COVID oh. <laughs> travel plans a little yeah. bit, but are you trying to get over there? What kind of travel restrictions are happening right now and how's that impacting you? Yeah, that's a loaded question. Um, I really, I honestly, I, if COVID did not happen, the original plan and what has happened in the past is I'm usually there for a majority, if not all of August. Uh, but with COVID, I honestly have no clue when I can go back. I mean, I could do, no, I can't even do this. Like, even if I, bought a plane ticket to, you can buy a plane ticket to Uganda, but the cost, because there are travel restrictions on it right now, are like four times the four times higher than normal. So usually a plane ticket costs me like a thousand bucks, which is pretty normal actually, and pretty good compared to you're going all the way overseas to halfway around the world. But now it's like 4,000 bucks. There's like no chance at all. And you land in Uganda, there's a chance it's not even gonna let you into the country because you're not from there. You probably won't be given a visa. You got to quarantine there for two weeks. And, uh, there's just no guarantee. So I honestly have no idea when I can go back. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't even, I don't really have no idea. <laughs> That's got to be it's, tough. Yeah, it's really interesting to kind of like think and know about that. I'm very fortunate to have a pretty solid team of uh, individuals that are Ugandan and from Uganda. Because we're able to talk to every day, organize uh, around time changes and things to you know move and uh, to move our projects forward, to as well as provide general COVID um, assistance. Uganda as a country has not had a very serious COVID issue. I think as a country as a whole, they have managed it extremely well. Um, but that being said, they don't take the news and risks. Uh, pandemics lightly. They take it very seriously because on the border of Uganda and I think the Democratic Republic of Congo is where they've had like Ebola issues and things. So they take this stuff very seriously, very well organized and you know you're not given multiple strikes if you don't wear a mask. So you know they are very very organized about it. So uh, I give them a lot of credit and so we'll see when I can go back but I'm fortunate to have the communication chain there to keep on organizing things and to make sure the communities we work with have good water and a proper COVID-based response. The question I've heard asked you so many times over the month of July, I got to run with you a lot and I think every time I was out there, I met, first of all, I met different runners, new people, which was awesome. Yeah. But without fail, they would always ask, so what's next? What's next? Yeah. What's next? So yeah. let's, let's talk about that. What do you think is around the corner for you as a runner, for you as Mission Clean Water, an organization? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I mean, like, yeah, I'm always someone kind of thinking about the same exact thing. And there's many ideas and 
proposals that I have that I want to continue to explore and to develop. And, you know, from the July fundraiser uh, and this 900 miles, the one thing I'm going to be missing the most is, you know, kind of what you just shared about a little bit, you know, the fact that you as someone that's very organized in this community still met so many new people. Uh, I, I've greatly, and, and I'm going to greatly miss all of the community aspects that came with this because I had the opportunity to run with, you know, 200 plus runners uh, during this entire journey. And the, the community and organization aspects from it is something that I have been trying to find and develop going into the future uh, based on what people's general responses have been. And it's kind of uh, developing into two specific, well, I guess three specific goals or routes. One is, you know, nonprofit organization-based. The other is still organization, but more running-based. And then also my personal goals. Uh, so what's next for me? You know, I, I, my, my job's still not done and I still don't see the fundraiser. My, to me, the fundraiser is not over with because crossing the finish line or the, doing the last mile was still only like 50% of uh, the whole idea, the whole fundraiser. The next is actually showing the people that have donated the impact that you are making. And once this project is complete and I know the proper sustainable measures are put in place to maintain it, then to me, I will feel like this 900 mile journey is actually completed and done with. Uh, but you know, that being said, as an organization, we maintain communication for a very long time. Uh, the other thing that I kind of talked to many people about that we have kind of uh, together already dived into is the development and understanding of how we can maintain new and exciting racing and running opportunities and maintain a high level of community and organization uh, during this very troubling time. And so with a lot of help from different runners, we've been in the process of developing a brand new race series that can hopefully be brought to this area that brings brand new race ideas, um, continues advocating for clean water and just helps organize uh, the community aspects that were so prevalent during the July fundraiser. And so we had our first test race this weekend, a kind of choose your own adventure race for the road and trail community. And I think in this weekend we had, you know, about 50 people show up to do these, you know, just free but feedback based races, um, which is huge for like a, an interest group style run. So I'm really happy with that. Uh, and then personally, I'm just very excited to be able to run again very soon. I want to begin prioritizing more day trips and being willing to, you know, drive an hour up to like Bear Mountain or up to the Catskills and go running up there, then come back during the day. Uh, I just want to kind of be able to explore more uh, and to begin just building back the general strength and experience I had in July to become an even stronger runner. Uh, there is a much more far-fetched bigger scheme goal that I have outside 30 miles for 30 days, something even bigger, much harder. Um, but that to accomplish would require like a wealthy individual or a venture capitalist to be like, that's dope. It's never been done before. Uh, let's fund that trip for you. 
Awesome. Are we keeping it under wraps? Is it like a two? Uh, no, no, because people kind of know about it. And like, it's just like this, this, this fantasy dream that I want to see come true. So the overall idea, and this really never has been done before, uh, is to complete 50 miles uh, every day for 50 days, but it will be done in all of the 50 states. Uh, so the reason that this requires a good chunk of change is because there's the logistical challenge of moving and exploring uh, that just adds a unique sense of difficulty to it. This has not really been done before. It's, no, it's actually, it's never been done before. Um, I forget, one of the runners, I think that has set the Western States 100 as one of, one of a bunch of times, he did 40 days of 2,000 miles. This kind of takes it for 10 more days at extra. Uh, so it's an idea I like. Uh, people have done similar things, but now this kind of just adds the logistical nightmare to it. <laughs> hey, so you, you heard it here first. If you're listening to this podcast, you got some extra change in your pocket, you can reach out to James and uh, you're interested in funding that. That would be pretty incredible to get off. Yeah. I think just from like from now until then, I'll just be kind of like, a, if I don't want to do work, I'm just kind of want to plan and do something different. I'll just kind of like see what could be a fun, fun route to make. Totally. Totally. So share, share with folks who want to get involved. Maybe they missed out on this 30-day challenge. How can they get involved with Mission Clean Water? I know you've got some really neat programs that are available. Uh, I was bouncing around on the website, some adventure programs. If you could chat about that and also just share with folks if they want to get involved with Mission Clean Water, how can Definitely. they connect with you? No, of course. So honestly, one of the easiest ways to connect with me or to connect with Mission Clean Water is to very simply visit our website, missioncleanwater.org. There's a contact us page. You can just put whatever you want on there, uh, ask any questions or, you know, just put a, a message of encouragement and I will be the individual to respond because I am the, the main, main person that reads those messages. Uh, you're also welcome to visit our Facebook and our Instagram and social media groups. Uh, once again, I respond to all of those directly. So you're welcome to message me or message the organization anytime about ways that you can become involved or just kind of share and more or less spread the word. Um, but there are plenty of other ways to become involved with Mission Clean Water. Uh, we're always looking for individuals that are willing, that might not want to necessarily you know, do, donate monetarily, but prefer donating their time. So there's a level of, is there a certain skill you have that you want to give, whether it's you as a finance whiz or a graphic design whiz or anything like that. Feel free to reach out to us if you want to kind of donate your time as a uh, professional, as well as we have a bunch of adventure programs in the development, which includes our Adventure for Clean Water campaign, where if you want to do a long distance hike, uh, a through hike, or have some of their, your race fees covered, uh, if you raise three times, those costs will fully fund the entire trip for you. And then if you want to learn more about our Mission Clean Water Race Series, hopefully to go public within the next few months, uh, just message us and you can have a direct involvement in the planning and preparation of this uh, hopeful uh, journey. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Well, James, I can't express enough how thankful we are that, uh, you know, that we met Sasquatch Trail Running, Mission Clean Water, we, we crossed paths in 2019 and got to be a part of this really awesome experience in July. And I know I speak for trail runners all over. We're just thankful for what you're adding to the trail running community because that's what it's all about. You know, it's about building the community, getting people together outside, enjoying nature. And, and uh, you know, I'm passionate about 
connecting with local charities and nonprofits and giving back through our sport as well. Because if you can do that and run at the same time, I mean, what can be better than that is helping people through running. So, um, James, do you have anything else that you want to add before we wrap this up? Um, nothing like in, in particular, you know, I'm, I'm an open book and would love to run with, with anyone. Uh, just message me if you're from the trail community or the road community or whatever. I'd love to meet anyone, run with anyone. And uh, I just, you know, I'm looking forward to the, to the journey ahead. Uh, if you want to be one of the first ones to know about our Mission Clean Water Race Series, just make sure you follow us on social media and you'll be, you'll get all the direct updates uh, very quickly. Awesome. Well, thank you again, James. And thank you all to tuning in to the Sasquatch Trail Runners podcast. Until we meet again, keep it squashy.